That's pretty weak. I said, who's ready for the word this morning? Open up your word with me to Luke chapter 19. Be beginning in verse 9 in just a moment. As you're turning there, I want to say thank you so much for your faithfulness with tithes and offering and giving each and every week. Uh, however you give. I just want you to know that I'm so thankful for you. Uh, I believe next week we're going to have a missions update of just some incredible things that we were able to help with this last year with our giving and tithes. And you were a part of that. And if you want to be a part this year, what God is doing, it's not too late. Our ushers will be at the door. You can fill out an envelope as you leave. You can go online. You can text to give. Use our app. However you give, I just want to say thank you for helping us minister right here in our city and literally around the world. So thank you so much for doing that. Last week I started talking about the new year and I want to kind of go, I want to go to part two from last week. Um, and I want, um, I'm getting some feedback somewhere. I don't know if it's up there. I believe it may be behind me somewhere, but just so you know, your success, uh, as I talked about last, uh, last week, your success this year is dependent upon you. It's going to be a year of movement. It's going to be a year of shifting for a lot of people. You're going to have to move closer to the Lord to get through this year with his promises. And your success has everything to do with you this year. Some of you may have already uh, purchased a gym membership. Don't raise your hand. Uh, you may have purchased a thigh master. Don't raise your hand on that one either. Uh, but whatever it is, uh, it takes you actually doing it. Amen. You can't just buy the gym membership and you get you know, you get that body or you get that, you get whatever it is that you're after. You actually got to do it. Can I get an amen? Whew, it's rough. So, but you got to, you got to move it. You got to do it. But last week I spoke a word about the opportunities that God is going to give us this year and the opportunities that we will face. It's going to require you. It's going to require you to move. It's going to require your participation. And I, I, I kind of compared it to an automatic door and a lot of times in Pentecostal circles, you, you hear automatic door and people get excited and think, oh, that's one of those suddenly moments. It's just going to happen. You think automatic door. I don't have to push it. I don't have to do anything. But an automatic door season requires your presence because automatic doors do not open until you get in front of it. Amen. It requires you being in a proximity that activates that door opening. That means you got to get up. You got to move. You've got to shift something. And it requires your activity. It requires this year you getting into the right proximity with God, your prayer life, your worship life, giving and serving. It's got to, we, 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 we've got to move closer because I don't know about you, but as I watch the news, I'm just waiting for the trumpet to sound any day. I believe it's going to sound. I'm, I, I, I can't wait for it to sound. I know some of you want to see your kids and grandkids and all those things, but let me tell you something. There will, there will be nothing that matches the rapture and the coming of the Lord. And I don't know about you when that trumpet sounds, I want my feet to leave the ground. Amen. And I want to be present with the Lord and I believe it. But before, but during this, this year, it's going to be a struggle. It's been a struggle every year. And, it, and, and as time grows closer to the Lord returning, it will continue to get tougher. It will continue to get rougher. And so many times we, 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 we feel like you know, the more we pray, you know, it's just, I mean, read your word. The word says in the last days, there will be perilous times. There will be some rough moments. And for us to get through those things, we've got to get in proximity. 
Can I get an amen today? Following last week, I want to continue and talk about some, some postures that we need to be in this year to get us moving, to get us in the right place, to get us through the battles. When I talk about postures, I'm talking about your attitude. I'm talking about the way you approach things, the, the, the way whenever, whenever you come into conflict uh, this year, the way you're going to approach it. Has anybody experienced any conflict thus far? Some of you are lying, but let me tell you something. You don't have to be alive too many days to experience conflict. Can I get an amen? Conflict is everywhere, and, and, and you're, you're, the, the way you get, the way you see it, the way you can see through the conflict will affect how we come out on this thing. So I'm talking about uh, posture today. Uh, open your word with me to Luke chapter 19. I want to begin in verse 9 where the word says, And Jesus said to them, Today salvation has come to this house because he also is a son of Abraham. And the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was Lost. Aren't you thankful today, before we go any further, that Jesus has come and he came to save you? Aren't you thankful for that? And the word said that he's not, he did not only come to save you, but the word says that he is seeking after you. The God of the universe that spoke and said, let there be light. You are on his radar. He is looking for you. He is pursuing you. And, and that should make you feel special today. You may not have a lot of followers. You may not be, um, you may not be, uh, have a lot of followers. You may not be real popular or be in the right click, but guess what? The Lord of the universe is looking for you. He is searching for you. And the word says, the next verse says, now as they heard these things, he spoke another parable. A parable is a story. Because he was near Jerusalem and because they thought that the kingdom of God would appear immediately. How many of you would love for that thing just to appear immediately? The disciples, the followers, the apostles are there. And they thought, oh, this is it. Here's the kingdom. We're about to see it. Therefore, he said, and this is the parable, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. So he called 10 of his servants. He called 10 of his servants and delivered to them 10 pounds and said to them, occupy until I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. And so it was that when he returned, having received the kingdom, he then commanded these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Then came the first saying, Master, your pound has earned 10 pounds. And he said to him, Well done, good servant, because you were faithful with a very little, have authority over 10 more cities. And the second came saying, Master, your pound has earned five pounds. And likewise, he said to them, you also be, will be over five cities. Then another came saying, Master, here is your pound, which I have kept put away in a handkerchief. For I feared you because you are an austere man. You, you collect what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. And he said to them, 
Out of your own mouth I will judge you, you wicked servant. You knew that I was an austere man collecting what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank that at my coming I might have collected it with interest? And he said to those who stood by, Take the pound from him and give it to him who has ten pounds. But they said to him, Master, he has ten pounds. For I say to you that to everyone who has will be given. And from him who does not have, even what he has taken will be taken away from him. In this passage this morning, there is a large all-inclusive statement. And it is instruction that Jesus was giving to the body, to the followers, apostles, and disciples of that day. And he was telling them, this is what you are to do whenever I leave, whenever my physical body is no longer here on earth. And he made the statement, occupy until I come. It's important to understand and note that this statement and this word occupy does not mean to hold on to whatever you have, to be a hoarder and just hoard it and and then shove it away or hide in a bunker during these crazy, crazy times. How many of you have seen those people on the internet and in the news that have bunkers dug out and they have all of this food prepared? Anybody ever seen those people? A lot of times that's what a lot of Christians are like. Whenever it comes in hard times, we just want to get in a spot and retreat and nobody talk to us. We don't have to deal with anybody. Anybody ever been there this very week where you're like, nobody talk to me, nobody look at me. It's been a rough week. But instead, he says, occupy. And the word means like last week, it, it was it was a call to action. It was a call to vigilance. It was a call to wake up and to be alert. And at this time, as I just read, the apostles and the other disciples apparently thought that Jesus was going to go set up his kingdom at that particular time. And the word says as he was close to Jerusalem. But as we read in the text in verse 11, it says they thought the kingdom of God would immediately appear. They thought that everything that Jesus had been teaching over the last couple of years, all of the side conversations that they had had with Jesus, all of the parables that they've been taking notes and how Jesus was teaching and preaching, they thought that everything that Jesus had been pouring into them for years was about to be seen, but they were wrong because as we continue to read, we see that they were a little confused. Their thoughts were a little mistaken. And Jesus knew that they were a little uh, confused on what was going to happen in their next, what, what God was calling them to do. So he gives them this parable, this story, to bring clarity to his plans for them. And he brings uh, them in and explains to them uh, all throughout the New Testament, uh, all throughout the Gospels, he's ex- you see him talking about how he's going away. And whenever he goes away, he's sending the comforter. He's sending the spirit. And he's granting them the authority and the tools and the things that they need to occupy here on earth until he comes. And as I stated before, this is a loaded statement because it had great significance not only for the followers of his time, but also for the church of today and the church of tomorrow. 
because how many of you know that now Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father and he's interceding for you and I and he is still looking at the bride saying you need to occupy it until I come. Amen. He's saying you got he said you got some work to do. Now that I'm now that I'm gone it doesn't mean that it's over, but it's really just beginning for you. He said I need you to be in action. I need you to take possession of some things. And as this scripture continues, we see him just continuously reminding, I'm coming, I'm sending the comforter, I'm sending the spirit, I'm sending power that you've never experienced. And that is the first posture I want you to make note of today is a posture of power, a posture of power. You and I, we need to understand that 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 the power of God, the power that God gives us is strong enough to erase any residue of every assault that the enemy has ever put against your life. Can I get amen? The, the power of God has the ability to erase anything, to remove anything that Satan has put in your path. This is why the enemy hates the power of God inside of you. He not only hates the power of God in general, but he cannot stand it when the bride gets the power of God inside of us. This is why the enemy tries to destroy the power of God in you because it reminds him that he is defeated. Whenever he is coming up against a child of God that's not only been saved but has the spirit inside of them, he cannot stand it. And I want to remind you this morning that God has the power to do anything that you need and remove all traces of the uh, Satan's work in your life. I want you to write this down. First Samuel chapter 30, verse 8. It says, So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. I want to tell the church today, I want to let you know that everything that, that the enemy tried to take from you, everything that the enemy did steal from you last year, everything that he has touched, everything that he has destroyed through God can be recovered and restored by the power of God today. Aren't you thankful for that? David had been fighting. He was minding his own business. He had been on the battlefield. And while they were out there fighting, the enemy came in and ransacked their village, stole everything they have, took their wives and their children in possession. And last year, while you were out there fighting, last year, while you were at work, last year, while you were just minding your own business, last year, while you were at the ball game, last year, while you were just doing your own hobbies and just minding your own business, and just trying to live life while you were out there just like David the enemy came in and took some things from you he stole some things from your house but David sets this example because he has the common sense whenever the enemy comes to go to the Lord and he said Lord what do you want me to do shall I be still or shall I move and God spoke to him and said pursue for you shall overtake them and recover it all and this year, you not only need to be in a posture of power with the Spirit, but you also need to be in a posture of pursuit because the devil is pursuing you every minute, every moment of your life. While you are even sleeping, guess what? Satan is pursuing you, and if you are not pursuing the Lord for yourself, he will catch up with you one day. 
Say this with me. Say, I'm moving into a posture of pursuit. Come on, I want you to say it again. Say, I'm moving into a posture of pursuit. If you now listen, if you've never lost anything, this word isn't for you this morning. If if if, if Satan has never messed with you or your house, this word is not for you. But I feel that there are some people here this morning while you are busy with life, while you are busy on your job, while you are busy in your relationship, it was as if the enemy came in and started messing with your house. While you were minding your own business, you were just you were just you were just trying to be peaceful and he started messing with your children. He started messing with your finances. He started messing with your health. He started messing with your wealth. He started messing with your mind. He started messing with your job. And now it feels like all you have is brokenness and frustration. But I want to remind the church today that if you stay in a posture with the spirit and you stay in a posture of pursuit, this year will not be perfect, but you have the ability to recover it all. I want you to understand this, that it is the assignment of the enemy to keep you carnal. It is the assignment of the enemy to keep you carnal. What does that mean? He wants you to stay in your flesh and out of the spirit. He don't want you to be thinking in the spirit. He wants you to think in your flesh. Somebody thinking in the spirit, whenever they see trouble coming down the road, they can see right through it and say, that's Satan on the way. He's not getting in my house today. But somebody thinking in the flesh, they get all hot-tempered, hot-headed. We got any hot-headed people in the house? Don't point. Anybody live with anybody hot-headed? Like, don't mess with me today. I mean, you having one of those days, you would cuss somebody out at Chick-fil-A if you had to. <laughs> Only got seven nuggets. How dare you? <laughs> Hot-headed temper. There's a lot of people turning red in here. It's conviction. The altars will be open in just a moment. Don't come running right now. But he loves to keep you in your flesh. He loves for you to be lusting after things you should not be lusting after. He longs for you to be tempted by things and give in to those things of the flesh. It's his assignment to keep you carnal. He don't want you thinking in the spirit. He wants you thinking in the flesh. He don't want you to see in the spirit. He wants you to see things in the flesh. He don't want you speaking in the spirit. He wants you speaking in the flesh. It is his assignment to have you bound by your flesh. It is his goal that as soon as you make the, the, the statement, I'm going to go through these 10 weeks. I'm going to get up at 5 o'clock every morning. How many of you already said this? I'm going to pray. I'm going to read the word. It is his assignment to make the phone ring. It is his assignment for somebody to call out at work. It is his assignment for somebody to ring the doorbell. It's his assignment for right before you get on there, you actually get on Facebook and you see something that just tees you off. That is his assignment. It is his assignment to keep you out of the word and in the flesh because he, he, he knows that if you ever get in the word, that the word has the power to break the power of your flesh.
And he will make you so busy, you don't have time to read. Anybody ever been there? At least you thought. But I've come to realize you make time for what you want to make time for. If I don't want to be with you, I ain't going to hang out with you. I can go hang out with somebody else, but I ain't got time for you if I don't want you. I'm busy. And the very excuse of busyness will keep some people out of heaven. The very excuse, well, I just didn't have time, Father, will keep some people from hearing, well done, enter in. I would hate to know that the reason I didn't make it because I was just too busy. He will do everything he can to keep you in your flesh. And as I've told first service today, and I believe I mentioned it even last week, and I talk about it all the time, that I've seen it at least a hundred times since we've launched Legacy Church. I've watched people walk into the church, this church, not knowing what to expect. They come from different backgrounds and different church styles, and they've heard about the the dancing preacher and they've heard these things and we're a little wild and they come in here kind of with, with, with cards, but I've watched God move and I've watched God speak to them. And I've watched as they walk down to the altar, grown men with tears in their eyes. And I look back and see their wives and their wives are standing there with tears in their eyes because they never thought that their husband would move. They've never seen anything like this. And I've watched as God, as, as, as God touches them and the spirit begins to move and, 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 and their posture begins to shift to power and pursuit. But it is like as soon as they take a step, the devil puts a struggle in their path. I have watched it and watched it and watched it. And I've said it and said it and said it. You don't want me to hire you unless you're ready for spiritual warfare. Every person, every person we've hired, every leader that I appoint gets spiritual warfare as soon as they say, yes, I'll do it. Why? Because they are moving closer. They're moving to proximity. And anything that Satan can get you to stay in your flesh, he will do it. I've watched it. As soon as somebody joins a serve team, you go through legacy track and you're like, I want to be a part of what God is doing. I want to be reaping the harvest. And things start happening at work and things start happening at home. And before you know it, instead of moving closer, instead of moving into proximity, I watch as those people just slip away. And before I know it, they are back into a state of their flesh. The devil will do anything to keep you away from a posture of pursuit. It's spiritual warfare. One of the number one reasons you go through spiritual warfare is so you will quit. Yep. Quit. Stay in the flesh. Go back to the way it was. I know you just shouted. I know everything is good for you. But all of a sudden, something comes and you're just like, I was better off in the world. Anybody ever said that? Some of y'all are lying. I was better off before I started going to church. People didn't talk about me as much. Got friends in low places. It was good. But now I start to change my life. I start to get in a different posture. And now it feels like the demons of hell are after me. They are. 
They want to destroy you. They want to keep you in a place of flesh, a place of sin. And God is instructing the church to pursue, to grab hold of something new, to take new territory. And this statement is not a suggestion. This statement is not a recommendation. It's a command. And the enemy is doing everything that he can to affect your desire. What do you desire? Desire. It's why so many people struggle at the very thought of getting up early on a Sunday morning and getting into the house of the Lord. Because your desires are not right. That's what I thought. Desires. The enemy wants nothing more. He can't stand it when you desire what God has for you. We've been fasting. We're doing all throughout this year. We're doing fast at the beginning, the Thursday, Thursday through Sunday. If you start Thursday at, uh, at, at noon at lunch, it ends Sunday at lunch. So some of you are probably about to end your fast, or at least I hope. And I've been fasting sweets this week. And there's some days you don't want to be around me. I ain't going to lie. I love chocolate. I love candy. Somebody gave me a box of candy in my office. And I looked at it all week long sitting on my shelf. I knew there were Skittles in there. I knew there were some Starburst in there. And I wanted it so bad one day. I was like, I'm about to just sneak it. Nobody's in this room. I just wanted it. I told Sarah, I woke up two nights ago. I woke up craving something sweet in the middle of the night. I was in there just like, I'm about to go crazy. All of a sudden, I started craving lemonade. I've never wanted lemonade like that before. I just wanted something sweet. I, did, I, I just had to have something sweet. I just wanted it. And guess what? It's because, it's because it was a desire. It was, it was, it was a desire. Write, write this down. Numbers, numbers chapter 13. Moses sent out 12 spies. Get this. And 10 of them came back with a negative report, but there were two that came back and they had something with them. They not only came back with a good report, but they came back with fruit and it wasn't just any fruit. This was gigantic fruit. I mean, fruit that makes you stop and be like, where did you get that? They were bringing back evidence to those that stayed behind to let them see, don't listen to the complainer, but you got to look up here because there's something great that's going to wait, that's waiting on you. They heard the other 10 complaining, but they knew they needed to bring back evidence to prove that it was worth pursuing. So they brought back this fruit to build desire. They knew that the naysayer was going to be loud, but they had to build the desire of the people around you. See, whatever you desire, you start to crave. Oh, I desired a piece of cake. I desired some chocolate. Skittles are my favorite. I desired somebody to bring me some Skittles. I, desi I, could, I was craving. I, 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 I wanted it. If you don't know the desires of your heart, just look at what you crave. If you've ever wanted to know, God, what is the desire of my heart? The question is, what are you craving? Because cravings don't lie. Cravings will tell you the desires of your heart. What you're really after, what you really want. What is your desire? 
There's some people, they desire to be seen. They desire to be wanted. They desire a relationship and they will do anything with anybody because, because, because they're just craving it. You see those people that get in and out of relationships. You're like, where is she finding all these people? I can't even find one person I want to be with. She's had 10. Anybody ever been there? She felt it. Woo. He's coming for you. Just claim it, okay? This is your year. You're like, how? Because there's something they desire. There's something that they are craving inside of them. And if you ever want to know the desires of your heart, look at what you are craving. Do you crave attention? Do you crave, or do, do you crave power? Like you just, you, you, you will do anything to climb the ladder. When you look at the life of an addict, they may not have a home. They may not have a family that loves them. They may not have a job. They may not have a car. But let me tell you what they do have. They have a desire. And it is strong. It is strong. And that desire, that craving will lead them to do anything to feel that craving. I don't care about my house. I don't care about my family. I'm just hungry for it. I'm addicted to it. I've got to have it. And the desire is so real. That desire is so strong. And that desire they have inside of them speaks to them all day long and is reminding them, hey, I'm still here. I need to be fed until they finally get to that place where they have to feel that craving every day. Those on the outside, we can't understand it. Those on the outside cannot grasp it. But it is, it is such a desire that cannot be left alone. And they will pursue it until that craving is filled. They will pursue it until everybody else has left them. They will pursue it no matter what it costs them. And this year, and just this week whenever I was preparing, I felt that this year I just began to pray and believe that there is a desire that's coming upon the body of Christ. There is a hunger that's coming upon the bride. And, it, and, and it, she will not be filled. And we will I just pray that we will be in such a posture of pursuit that we will not stop. We don't care what CNN says. We don't care what Fox says. We don't care what ABC says. We don't care what NBC says. We don't care what anybody says. We know what God has spoke to the bride. He's saying, pursue me. Come after me. I don't care who talks about me. I don't care who tweets about me. I don't care about who makes fun of my dancing. I'm going to dance until the trumpet sounds. Amen. And then I'm going to be dancing on the streets of glory. Why? Because I'm just so hungry for it. I'm praying for a holy hunger to come upon the church. I pray for a desire upon your house that you want to see his promises come to life for your house. I pray for a desire. I pray just a posture and a desire comes upon you where you desire so much communication and prayer with God. And I pray that it overtakes you and that it is so strong that nothing of the flesh can quench it. This year, you need to be in a posture of power. You need to be in a posture of pursuit. And you need to be in a posture of prayer. This week, we have a meeting the 11th, Wednesday. Wednesday at 6 o'clock at the house, 6.30. 6.30 at the house, right? For intercessory prayer. You say, I don't know what that is. That's for you. You're going to learn all about it. You need to be in a posture of prayer. 
write down 1 Kings 22. I told First Service, you really need to read this story in your quiet time because it's, it's so good. It's a fascinating story. I mean, it seriously sounds like something off days of our lives. Bo and Hope have nothing on this story. John, Marlena, Roman, nothing. The Damaras can't even face it. It's crazy, y'all. I mean, it sounds like days of our lives up in here. People are being slapped. They're giving people bad bread and water so they'll die. It's dramatic, y'all. You got to read this stuff. Ahab is going out to battle. And he feels, he desires the help of Jehoshaphat. So he goes to the prophets, his own prophets, the hundreds, and he's standing in front of them. And he's asking them, this is Ahab, this is Jezebel's husband, if that says anything about him. And he's sitting there and he's telling them, I want to go fight. And, 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 and they're looking at him and they're saying, yeah, I, I think you should go do it. Everything's going to be okay. And, but Jehoshaphat had just this inkling. He had this, this spirit was whispering to him saying, I don't, I don't know. And so he tells Ahab, I don't know if you should do this. And he, he, he actually looks at Ahab and says, do you not know a prophet of the Lord? I know you've been speaking to all these other prophets, but do you not know a prophet of the Lord that you could ask for advice from? And Ahab responds to him. He said, well, there's one, but he said, and his, his name is Micaiah, but he said, and I quote, I hate him. Can't stand him. Can't stand the prophet. I hate him. And he looks at him and like, why do you hate him? And he said, I hate him because he doesn't prophesy good things over me. When I need a word, he don't got a good word. I hate him. All he does is tell me bad stuff that's going to happen. I don't like him. I hate him. And I come to realize that a lot of times it's not that God is not speaking. Sometimes it's just that we aren't listening when God is saying something that we don't want to hear. And the prophet, they go and get this prophet that he hates. The prophet comes and he's like, do you got a word for me? He's like, I got a word for you, but I don't know if you're going to like it. I'm just letting you know right now. He said, I don't know. I just, I got a vision of Israel standing on the mountainside. And I saw the sheep scattered, but there was no shepherd. And if you can read between the lines, he was saying, there was no leader. You are about to die. He's like, I know you went out to all these other prophets, but he looked at him and said, they have a lying tongue. They have a lying spirit. He said, don't believe them. You're going to die out there. And Ahab, hating the prophet, didn't like him. Have you ever tried to speak truth and love to somebody, but they just didn't want to hear it? I feel like that's about me right now. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Ahab was mad. I can't, this is a total side note. I can't even hear the name Ahab without thinking of Ray Stevens. Ahab the Arab. Y'all too old for that. Google it sometime. Y'all too young for that. Ahab decides 
Well, I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm the king. Jezebel's at home. I'm going to do what I want to do. So he goes, he said, I'm going to go out to war. So he, he takes off his kingly robe. He, he kind of heard the prophecy. So he's like, well, I better do something just in case. So I'm going to take off my kingly robe and I'm going to put on attire like the other, like the other uh, uh, soldiers and I'm going to dress like the other civilians. So you see him taking off his kingly robe and he puts on the armor of the people and he begins to sneak out in battle because he doesn't want anybody to look and say, oh, that's the king, let's go get him. And so if he does get hurt, they won't be able to know that the king is hurt. So here he is in uh, 1 Kings chapter 22, verse 30. Band, you can help me out. It says, the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, I will disguise myself and go into battle and put, uh, but you put on your robes. So the king of Israel disguised himself and went into battle. Now the king of Syria had com had commanded the 32 captains of the chariots saying, fight with no one small or great, but only the king of Israel. He's like, look troops, this is the enemy saying, look, look for the king and go find him. Verse 32. Uh, so it was, when the captains of the chariot saw Jehoshaphat, they said, surely it is the king of Israel. Therefore, they turned aside to fight against him. And Jehoshaphat cried out. And it happened, when the captains of the chariot saw that it was not the king of Israel, they turned back from pursuing him. They saw, oh, that's not the king. Let's turn around. Verse 34, there's always that one kid. Now a certain man drew a bow at random. Well, I'm out of here. I might as well shoot somebody. <laughs> you ever thought about that on a Monday morning? Might as well go ahead and shoot somebody. It's been a doozy of a day. <laughs> Woo! This is a counseling session today. I feel it. said a certain man drew a bow at random <laughs> since I'm here I'm going to shoot at least one I'm just going to scare him and it said and this random man drew a bow at random and struck the king of Israel between the joints of his armor <sighs> see on the armor there was a place right in the center where the breastplates came together. And there was a small opening right in the center. There was a little place that was not protected. It was the soft place in his armor. This year, church, you better watch your soft spots. This year, church, you better be covered in prayer because all it takes is a little bitty gap and the enemy will get into you. He said, so he said to the driver, turn around, take me out of the battle for I'm wounded. Micaiah, he's probably back in the cell like I told him. I'm sitting here eating this nasty bread, eating this nasty water. He smacked me. I told you. Turn around. I'm wounded. And verse 35 said, the battle increased that day and the king, they propped him up in his chariot facing the Syrians. And he died at evening. Are you following this? This arrow 
is released from across the field from that one person that just had to shoot and it comes through the air and finds the king Ahab. Ahab's armor, he's got on the armor, but right in the center of it coming together. What is the likelihood? What, what is the likelihood of an arrow from some random man would shoot up in the air, it would come down and hit somebody. He's covered in armor. It hits him in the one place that is not covered. It was so tiny. It was the soft spot. It was so minimal. You probably have a better chance of winning the lottery, but no, it happened. But the arrow flies through the air and finds him, not only finds him, but finds the one little spot and it kills him. Let me tell you this. The word says that we have a sword. It's the sword of the spirit. It's the word of God. And why do you need a sword? A sword is used whenever you are up close. If you're fighting somebody from afar, who cares about a sword? So what does that mean? Is that whenever you are face to face with an enemy, you've got to pull out your word and look that demon in the eye and say, no, you don't understand. I am more than a conqueror through him that has loved me. You don't understand. I am a child of God. You don't understand. No, no, no. You don't understand that he's never forsaken the righteous. You don't understand. So whenever you are up close, whenever you are, when there's a demon that's looking you in the face, you've got the sword. But guess what? That also means, that also means that there are times whenever you've got battles from afar. And guess what that means? Guess what? The arrow is symbolic of your prayer. And that means that you can get in your prayer closet and fight battles that are afar. And no matter how hidden that enemy may be, no matter how disguised that gossip that they're spreading about, you may be no matter how small that lie may be no matter how minute that attack may be whenever you get in your prayer closet and you come pursuing and you come in power and you come in a in a a position of prayer guess what the God that you serve has the ability to direct your prayers to right in the center right in the middle of the problem right in the right in between the enemy's armor because he know Satan's soft spots that's the power of prayer this year it can get into the smallest area nobody else thinks it's that big but it's big to you you got to get into a posture of prayer and the great thing about it is this posture helps you fight from afar your problem may be coming from California your problem may be coming from Texas but you've got the power to get in your prayer closet this year and get down on your knees and begin to pray. And I have the ability, whenever somebody, there's a problem that I'm facing in Texas, I can call out his name right here in Rome, Georgia. And it's like arrows begin to launch to that problem and strikes the enemy right where it needs to be hit. This is how you will occupy this year. This is how the church will occupy. You will not occupy without a fight. You will not be able to possess what God has for you without a battle. So right now, God is speaking to the church. Get into a posture of power. Get into a posture of pursuit. And get into a posture of prayer. I say God is speaking to the church, somebody. And he's saying, get into a posture of power. Get into a posture of pursuit. Get into a posture of prayer. Come on. 
world. Can you stand with me this morning? He's speaking to the body of Christ. Move. Get into proximity. Get into a new posture. Get into a place where I can do something for you. Get into a posture of power. That means get in the spirit. Get in pursuit. Get, let your eyes be open and get into a posture of prayer. I was trying to find this quote in first service and I found it for you all. This will make you think. In the words of Leonard Ravenhill, listen, listen how true this is in America. Sunday morning church attendance shows how popular the church is. Sunday night attendance shows how popular the preacher is. There ain't many people going to come out on a Sunday night, or, Sunday night or in the middle of the week unless they really like the preacher. Y'all are quiet. Can I get an amen? Thank you. And attendance in prayer meetings shows how popular God is. Woo. I felt convicted reading that. If you didn't feel convicted, I felt conviction for you. It said, Sunday morning attendance shows how popular the church is. Church is filled up, three or four services. But how many people are coming to the prayer services? That shows you how powerful the church is. Numbers will show you how popular it is. But how many people are coming to the prayer? That shows you how powerful that church is. That shows you the desires of the church. That shows you what they're really craving. Are they just craving a good message? Are they just craving three good hot songs? Are they craving more of the Lord? That should convict your heart today. You say, well, that's pretty rough, Pastor. The truth shall set you free. I want to pray for you today. If you're in this place, you say, you know what? I want God. I want to move this year into a different posture. I want to move in a posture of power. I want to be filled with the Spirit. I want to move into a posture of pursuit. It doesn't matter. Uh, it doesn't matter what anybody else is saying. It's like that story of an addict. There is a desire in there. I want a craving inside of me that nothing of the flesh can quench it. You may be like, you know what? I want to move into a posture of prayer. And no flesh is going to with stop me. No, no flesh is going to withhold it from me. No, no, no. That's what I want this year. It doesn't, this, this, does, this doesn't mean that you're not saved. You can be saved, but still need to get right in one of these postures. You can know Jesus, but still need, I need to pray more. I need to pursue more. I need to, I need, I, I need to get the spirit in my life. If you're here today, I just want to pray for you if you're raising it. If you're in this place, you say, you know what? This word spoke to me at some point. And I want that shift. I want that posture. Just raise your hand. Lord, I pray over every hand that's raised in this place this morning. Lord, I pray right now. Lord, as hands are raised. Lord, as hearts are hungry. As tears are in our eyes, oh God. Lord, I pray right now. 
And I'm believing, oh God, that there's a group of people. They are moving into a posture of power. They are going to begin to walk in the Holy Ghost and fire. They are begun, they're, they're going to begin to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gives them the utterance. They're going to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Lord, you are baptizing people in your spirit today. Lord, I am believing that there's a generation of people that are not just satisfied with the status quo. They're not just satisfied with, satisfied with Sunday morning attendance. God, but there's a burning inside of them. They want to be set on fire for you, oh God. Lord, they want to speak and it happen. Lord, they want to walk in room and, rooms and demons start trembling. Anybody in the house today? Lord, I am praying for those people. Give them the power. Lord, I'm praying for people. Pursuit. Pursue it and I will recover it all. Pursue it, and I will recover it all. God, I pray, Lord, that you this year, you give us some new desires of our heart. Lord, there's a lot of people, they've been desiring things of flesh. They've been desiring people. They've been desiring titles. They've been desiring a microphone. They've been desiring stage time. God, but right now, I pray you speak to the people. Lord, let them pursue you. Let them stop pursuing a man. Let them start pursuing things of this world. God, and let them start pursuing things of the kingdom. Let them start pursuing things of heaven. God, and I believe there's about to be a generation of prayer warriors that are birthed in this house. I said, I'm believing there's about to be a generation of prayer warriors that are birthed in this house. I'm going to say it till I get somebody agree with me. I declare there's about to be a generation of prayer warriors that when they speak, demons start trembling. That when they pray, things that were bound on earth get bound in heaven. Lord, I pray, God, that when we pray, things that we loose on earth, you pour out in the heavens. Lord, I am praying for a generation of prayer warriors to be birthed in this house this year. Let this be a house of prayer. It's easy to build a house of worship. Get good singers. Get a good sound system. Get a good band. But it is difficult to build a house of prayer because it requires your time. It requires a craving. I've never wanted to see the face of the Lord so bad in my life. I've never wanted his presence so bad in my life as I do in this very hour. And it takes prayer. It takes your personal time. 